Well, I want to get right into the Word of God today because I, uh, I have something really stirring in my heart that's just a, a, a challenge to me, and I'm just praying I can get it out of my heart and spirit. I want to share with you this thought, you are not alone. You are not alone. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read just three simple verses, verses 21 through 23, Matthew Chapter 1, 21 through 23. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. <laughs> now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You are not alone. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your wonderful word. I pray your richest blessings upon our time together today. Uh, even through uh, worship, I felt your presence, that abiding presence uh, in communion, I felt it, Lord. I know you're with me. I'm so grateful, God, that you never leave us, never forsake us. With all of our heart today, uh, from as a believer, as a child of God, as, as one who has given our life to you, I just say to you, Lord, thank you that you never leave me. And today, help me to relate that thought, to get out of my spirit what it means to know that we are never alone. I give you the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 Well, Friday, uh, my wife and I, along with my brother and his wife, we traveled to Waxhaw, North Carolina, uh, to attend the homegoing service at JARS. I don't know if any of you have been down there or are familiar. Uh, the parent organization is Wycliffe Bible Translators. But JARS, um, uh, Jungle Aviation and Radio Services, was a familiar stopover for many of those who graduated from Moody Aviation, which used to uh, be in Elizabethton, Tennessee. And so we found out this past week that a dear friend, Sonia Warfell, went to be with, with Jesus. And uh, um, what a uh, wonderful family. She had a five-month battle with a, an aggressive brain cancer. It was very, very quick. Just in February, she was diagnosed. We wanted to be there for her husband of 44 years, Mark, and their eight children, nine grandchildren. She was only 64. She's about uh, eight months older than I am. They were part of our church plant in the first uh, five years that we were in Elizabethton, and that's where Calvary Church started, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with our history. Mark was studying to be a um, missionary pilot at Moody Aviation. At that time, back then, they would go a couple years at Moody in uh, Chicago, and after they received their theological training, they'd come down and uh, study there how to fly in and out of these very dangerous places because of our mountains. And uh, short runways, they literally, you would train, you would be able to take the engine apart, put it back together, and fly, be a true missionary pilot. 
And so we had some of those moody students in our church in those early years, and they truly uh, formed our life, uh, helped shape us to be what we were. Mark and Sonia, uh, Alan and Therese King. Uh, Alan, uh, shortly after he was deployed to the mission field in South America, uh, just maybe a year or so after he was there, he, his plane uh, crashed in the, in the jungles and he was killed. His wonderful wife, uh, Therese, uh, they were both part of our, our church and just such a tremendous, tremendous people. She continued to travel uh, for Wycliffe and uh, raise support and funds for missionaries uh, around the world. This was the kind of people that God brought in in those early days. As I look around today, I realize that the beginning is so important to who you become. Have you ever prayed and asked God, God, would you surround me with the right people to build my life? One of our courses this morning was Build My Life. And I, I thought about how God built my life in those early days. Built Calvary Church, really, shaped us to be the kind of people that we needed to be. When you're surrounded by people who are selling out to, for missions, world missions, how many of you realize you're just planning a church and you've got a church with uh, some young families in there that are going to the mission field? Well, that shapes your identity. And, and then God brought in amazing individuals. Glenn Hudson, many of you know, that's uh, uh, on the Congos there, uh, sold out for the Lord. Courtney McBath, uh, part of those early days. Uh, uh, Paul and Joanne Trebus, who still pastor to this day uh, in, uh, in Hampton, Virginia. Um, Chris and Lynn Fortner came in. They had uh, just newlyweds. Just, uh, can you guys stand, Chris and Lynn? They were there. Their children are grown. Their daughter plays on the keyboards and helped shape us and make us. Uh, Derek, would you stand? Derek was born. His dad, Glenn, playing the Congos. Derek was... Uh, dedicated as a baby, all those Fortners, your daughter on the keyboards up here, and just so many that came in in those days. And I think God just insulated me so I wouldn't mess up. He just surrounded me with all these amazing, incredible people that helped build my life. The best prayer you can pray for your children is that God would surround them with friends and relationships that, because it helps shape and forge who we're going to be and can, and can impact our destiny. And so we went down there for that funeral, and when we arrived there, um, Mark, uh, all their children, of course, all eight, and all the grandchildren were there. If you've never been to the JARS uh, uh, campus, you need to go down. It's not that far away, and, and just visit just outside of Charlotte in Waxhaw, North Carolina. And so there were other Moody students that were attending the uh, uh, the funeral, um, those that are part of JARS, uh, missionaries. Uh, the whole service was filled with missionaries. There was um, uh, people involved with Wycliffe, Bible translators. And so the Warfel family, even after they left here, they'd served uh, 14 or 15 years in Papua New Guinea uh, with Wycliffe there, uh, came back, and they're teaching there now uh, and a part of the staff there at JARS. I've never met, I don't think in my lifetime, a more godly dedicated uh, Christian family. And mother, what an incredible mother Sonia was. There, and, and so when you're in a situation like that where suddenly uh, 
an amazing, godly woman is uh, taken by the Lord to be with him. And you have the room filled with missionaries and the testimonies of her impact and what a true Proverbs 31 woman who gave her life to God as a missionary. You can't help but have questions. Have you ever had questions and wondered, where's God in this and, and why is this allowed to happen? I think we have those typical questions, uh, the whys, you know, and the why nots. Why did God allow this sudden death? Uh, why her when she was a true Proverbs 31 woman? I could give a list to God of some people that might be better to take than, <laughs> than a woman like that. Why now? Uh, why didn't God heal her when she was surrounded for those five months by so much faith and so much prayer and so many believers and so many praying all around the world? Yet somehow, Mark and Sonia, uh, Sonia's family, the children, had pushed aside all those questions and they had chose to worship God. You know, when you're in a crisis like that, when you have genuine faith, your faith is, is tangible. You can taste it. You can feel it. It's, and people around you are overwhelmed by that kind of incredible faith. And, and, and it was impacting all of us. Several hundred missionaries and friends who were there. We could feel the close presence of God all through the service and all over the family. It was like the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Great Comforter had settled upon Mark and the children. Even in the ceremony itself, the homegoing, they chose a few modern hymns. And many of you may not realize there are hymns being written today. Beautiful, modern hymns. They chose a couple of them that really bless my heart. I don't know if you've heard Bow the Knee or His Robes for Mine. If you haven't, Google it <laughs> and, and listen to it. It'll bless your heart. And so there's in these songs and the worship, and I began to feel my own faith rise. I, I began to feel my own awareness of God's abiding presence, never failing, constant abiding presence right there, even under those circumstances. And so when I arrived home, my eyes were drawn to this passage, this thought of Emmanuel, that we're never alone, that God is always with us. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what you endure in this lifetime, is there anyone that can slip a hand up and say, thank God he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us no matter what we're facing or what we're going through. Let's read it again. Let's read it. Uh, verse 21. And you shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All of that was done. Jesus came for this reason to fulfill what was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, verse 23, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. Yes, God with us. I felt his immediate presence. I feel it right now. I felt it as I read that passage. I, I felt it as I meditated about how I have been aware of his engagement. I have been aware of his commitment to me. From the day I gave my heart to the Lord 46 years ago, yes, every moment, at all times, I have known he is with me. As a Christian, can I assure you that you are not alone 
and you never will be. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. He takes up his abode in us. He lives in us. Two simple thoughts concerning God with us. Let me just share with you. The first is that God is with us even when it seems like he is not. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, look with me in Isaiah 7 and verse 14. This is the passage that is quoted in Matthew chapter, chapter 1, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How awesome is that? This was Matthew uh, 8 and 21, 23 was a, or 1 and 23 was a direct quote of Isaiah 7 and 14. And so as Matthew is referencing that, he is reminding us that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Even in the old covenant, it was prophesied that he would be our Emmanuel. In the Hebrew language, the word Emmanuel means this. It means the Lord is with us. The Hebrew rendering, the Lord is with us at all times, in all places, and under all circumstances. Man, that makes me want to shout and throw my hat over the windmill. If ever I've been excited about anything, it's knowing that he's with me at all times, in all circumstances, and in all places. No matter where we are, he is with us. It's encouraging the knowledge that he is there. No matter what I'm going through, it's more than encouraging. It is my hope. He is with me even when it seems like he's not. Honestly, can I tell you, if I had not been aware of this truth through the years, there probably would have been times I would have given up. But in my heart, I knew he was with me, no matter what we faced in life. Let me just give you three illustrations of his abiding place, uh, presence, and it's taken from Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm. Psalm 23 and, and verse 4. Look at this beautiful passage with me. You all know uh, the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even in death, the Lord is with us. Now, obviously, it speaks to us probably when you read that, most of us, because of our, the, the way we take the word personally, and we should, we think of this as a reference uh, to our own death. And he is indeed with us. The Lord is with us in our hour of death. But it means so much more. Because you enter the valley of the shadow of death often. When you give your life to the Lord, there will be many times that you will be in that valley. Because I remember entering it when uh, Teresa's mother passed away at age 52. We entered the valley of the shadow of death. You know, when you're a child growing up, you, you think you're going to be nine foot tall and bulletproof. You never really think about death. But then the circumstance comes uh, to us as, we, as, as time passes in which we enter the valley of the shadow of death with a loved one, with a friend, with a parent, with a sibling. When, so when you enter that valley, many times you enter it with others. My wife and I entered that valley on Friday when we walked into that room and we embraced uh, Mark and the children and, and uh, we rehearsed the memories. We were there, but we could feel, verse 4, that even in those times, in the valley of the shadow of death, 
even when we're saying goodbye to loved ones, hallelujah, his rod and his staff comfort us, that he is there. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't abandon us. Can you say thank you, Jesus? He is there and walks with us. When, so when Teresa's parents passed away, when my father died, when best friends in my lifetime died young, every time I entered into the valley of shadows, I was not alone, not for one moment, not for one second. There will come a day in which it will be the hour of death for me because it is appointed unto man once to die. And when that time comes, I will not be there alone. Oh, I believe my family will be with me. I know they'll surround me. I'm sure that it'll be like the last days for Sonia there when her family who's scattered all over the world, some are missionaries now, some are serving in other occupations. They're all adults with, with children. And when they flew in with their spouses and they surrounded her bedside and they took turns caring for her and taking care of her as she grew weaker and weaker. Oh, I, I know my family will be there. I won't be alone in that sense. But the greatest comfort that any of us can ever have in the valley of the shadow of death is to know that God is with us, that he never leaves us, hallelujah, that he's with us all the way. And even when we leave this life, we are escorted into eternal life by the hand of the Savior himself, our groom. Oh, can somebody shout hallelujah. And I've also discovered that even when I didn't think he was there in times like poverty, Psalm 23 again, notice in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There, there, isn't, there isn't lack. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He provides for me no matter what my circumstances are. When you give your heart and life to Christ... Hallelujah, he is your provider. And so he provides for your needs. And there were times when the needs of my family were greater than my income. There were times, uh, even in the planning of our early church, uh, that we would pray for God to provide groceries and food for our family. There were times I'd get down on my knees and pray supper in that evening because we had nothing left in the cabinets. I, I grew up in these housing projects over here in Keystone. I know what poverty is. I understand what it's like to, to live at the, at the brink, at the edge, and, and see God provide. That's why we're such an outreach-giving church to this day. It's because uh, we remember. It would be good for you to remember where God brought you from. Can somebody say, shout hallelujah, lest you be lifted up in pride. He is our provider. We've never been alone. Even in those times that it felt like lack, there was no lack. A child of God, we are not alone. He provides. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. In Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3, we discover he's, our, he's there when it doesn't seem like we're there. In despairing moments, look in verse 2. He, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When I was tired, he gave me rest. When I was worried, he gave me still waters. When I was troubled, he calmed my soul. When I was grieving, he comforted me and surrounded me with his immediate presence. Oh, just knowing that Jesus is always with you will give you the emotional strength your soul needs to keep moving forward in faith. Hallelujah. He's always there. Even when it seems that he isn't there, he is there. You are never alone. Don't let your circumstances 
tell you that he isn't there. Don't look at the, the trial or the test or where you may be in your, in your emotions or your, your family or your finances. Don't let that determine his abiding presence. As a matter of fact, if you'll get your eyes off of the wind and the waves and the storm and set your eyes on Jesus, it just might be possible that you can walk on water. God doesn't promise to always bring us out of the storm. Sometimes he brings us through the storm, but he never abandons us, even if he has to take you by the hand and walk you to the boat. Can somebody shout hallelujah? He never abandons you. And then lastly, God is with us, though we are unworthy. Sometimes I wonder why we have, feel we have this right to demand his presence when really and truthfully, we don't deserve his presence. There isn't anyone in this room that earned it or deserved his abiding presence. He did not make that promise to us because we were a worthy people or because we were a good people or because we were more in value than other people. No, he made that promise to us because of who he is. He cannot deny himself. He remains faithful. Even when you're unfaithful. How many of you are glad that you have a husband who remains faithful? Hallelujah. A God who never leaves your side. God is with us though we were, are unworthy. That's why Matthew chapter 1, I love that it isn't left there as just, a, just the fact that he is Emmanuel. Verse 21 tells us that she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So he isn't just Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jesus, our Savior, who saves us from our sins. Emmanuel, in the original language, also speaks of his abiding and constant mercy and grace in the Greek. In other words, it's not just that he's there in body and presence. There, there are individuals that might be with you in the time of a crisis, but they're onlookers. They're just viewing it. They're watching from the stands. They're just seeing how it's all going to turn out. They might even pat you on the back. They might walk with you for a while, but they're not really with you. You see, the thing about Jesus is, is he isn't just watching. He isn't just observing. He isn't a fan in the stands. Oh, no, he's there with you. His abiding mercy and grace, hallelujah, is with you. So he comes not just in presence, but in personality, in character, and in divine nature. And so when he is with you, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present, is with you. There are people that are there, but they're not present. He is always with me, but he is present. Can somebody shout hallelujah? His mercy is there. His character is there. His love is there. When I sin, his righteousness is there. Oh, when I, when I need forgiveness, his mercy and grace is there. So he comes in all who he is not just in abiding presence, but he comes as, as that carrier of mercy and grace. Perhaps the greatest fact of his character is that he always stays. That Jesus will never leave me, never forsake me. He is faithful because it is who he is. It is his name. In Revelations chapter 19 and verse 11, the Bible gives us a picture of the end of time. And it tells us there in verse 11 that heaven will open. And there in the clouds, a white horse will come through the clouds with a rider 
whose name is Faithful and True. <laughs> it's his name. It's who he is. Ezekiel chapter 48 and verse 35, the scripture speaks, this is 25 years into the Babylonian captivity, and Ezekiel prophesies that 45 years later, after 70 years, 45 years later, he says the name of that city, it will be rebuilt, and the name of that city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. It's one of those compound names of God, Jehovah Shammah. It's a promise given by God to his people while they were still in captivity that he would be there. What a beautiful promise that is because Jerusalem is a type of the people of God, the city of God, the people of God, which means for you and I, it means that in the same way that he redeemed them from the chains of their captivity in Babylon and restored them to Jerusalem and placed them in his kingdom, he promised in that verse that he would put his name, Jehovah Shammah, on them. I will name that place, the Lord is there, and it will be that way forever. Can I tell you that when God brought you out of your chains and out of the bondage of sin and brought you into relationship with him, hallelujah, and espoused himself unto you, can somebody shout glory to God? When he did, he brought you out, delivered you from his cha your chains, brought you into the house of God, put his name I am here forever. Can somebody shout hallelujah? The Lord is there is written upon my life. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. The reason I do is because when others leave, he stays. When others walk away from you because of your failure, your shortcomings, or even your sin, Jesus abides even when sin abounds, Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23, is perhaps for many of us who have leaned upon his mercies have may be your favorite verses. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Can anybody say amen to that? Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So even when others leave, even when sin abounds, he makes his mercy new every morning. Even when sin abounds, his grace does much more abound, according to Romans 5 and verse 20. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's why, let's go ahead and read the only other verse remaining from the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23 and verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Now, obviously, he's not talking about the natural temple, that he would dwell there forever, because the way of the grave is the way of every man. But he's talking about the fact that he would dwell in the presence of God forever. Isn't it an encouraging thing to know that you are in his presence? Uh, when you give your heart and life to God, you are in his presence forever. And listen to this. In the Old Testament... David, the psalmist in the Old Covenant, could say with assurance that mercy and goodness followed him all the days of his life. But can I tell you that for me today as a New Covenant, New Testament believer since Calvary, God's mercy isn't following me, it's on me. God's mercy 
is it chasing after me? God's mercy abides with me. God is with me. His mercy is with me. He never leaves me. His goodness is with me every moment of every day. I am not just dwelling in the house of the Lord. I am the house of the Lord. I'm not just in his house. He's in my house. Oh, I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. Oh, let's stand to our feet together. This knowledge, I feel like the psalmist. This knowledge is too wonderful for me. <laughs> By that, I believe that David must have meant it's too wonderful for the natural mind. It's hard to believe that. I admit we have trouble believing Jesus when he promises that you are never alone. I think it's though because of our personal experience. For many today, they have experienced abandonment in every other relationship in life. Some of you here, some of our elderly here today may be neglected by your own children. Some of you have been abandoned by your own spouse in marriage in spite of covenant vows. The Bible even teaches us that some parents forsake their own children. In Isaiah 49 and 15, the scripture says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the child of her womb? Yes, she may forget, but Isaiah the prophet adds, but I will not forget you, says the Lord. So come to Jesus today. If you haven't given your life to him, you can safely trust that he will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you.